Good morning. You know, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I just, I wish and I pray that our hearts would always burn like that, that we'd be saying, what, there's a prayer meeting? I'm so happy to go to the house of the Lord. Another meeting to worship the Jesus Christ, our Savior. I am so blessed and happy to be in the house of the Lord. Because where the Lord is, there is peace, there is liberty. And where the people gather, we speak his name, things start to happen, right? And we need to encourage each other. We need to, to um, campfire together, right? There needs to be a blaze out of our hearts and out of our, out of our minds. And I just want to say that all I want to do is speak the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter. Just speak his name so that the captives will be set free. So today I want to bring a name of the Lord, but I'm going to follow my notes so I don't get ahead of myself and repeat myself two or three times. Um, we had a little bit of a almost fire in my kitchen today, and I praise God for my husband who runs so fast and he's so quick thinking. He told me I can never make toast again, but I want to say it just kind of proved what I was going to be speaking about because when I went to get a folder for my notes... I didn't have any, and there was a lot, and I didn't want to have them flying all over the pulpit. So I found this in my cabinet. I pulled out the papers, and it turned out to be a, a service that came to my house in 2011 when I almost burnt down my house, and it was filled with smoke. <laughs> Three hours I left my house with frozen chicken on high on the, on the stove, and yet God was there. It didn't burn. But I want to tell you, it was filled with smoke. And so I put in my toast, and I take this out, and I go, I'll never need these papers again. I'll never need this service. And then I hear, ding, my toast is done, and the kitchen was, you know, fire coming out of the, you know, that happens. I just cried out Jimmy. I didn't say Jesus. I said, Jimmy, right? Anyway, he came rescuing us. But it's proof to me that he's always there with us. He's always there with us. Um, the first time he said to me, my husband said, couldn't you have, come, couldn't you have waited a little longer? because he'd love to move from that house. <laughs> but anyway, God is good. Father God, we just give you this day, we give you this time, we give you this hour, and we pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that we yield our hearts to you, Lord God, to know you more, to know the name, to understand, Father God, the, the sustenance in your name, Father God, the depth of your name and who you are. And Lord God, I just lift my notes to you and all the things that I want to say, and I pray, Father God, that you would speak what you would have to say. I give you this time. These are your people. We are your children, Father, and we thank you that we call you Abba, Father. Jesus Christ, the Spirit of the Living One, dwells in our midst. So we're going to start today with um, a few scriptures, and I apologize. Most of them are out of New American and Standard, but I didn't write which was which. So just go with New American Standard, and you guys can figure it all out, okay? because I can never find the right one, and then I don't write it down. So the, the Lord reminded me, he just gave me four words. You know how he does that? Last week he just gave me four words about one of the names of God, but it doesn't always come together. Four words, how do you bring a message where God's people are encouraged? But he, manages, he managed, managed to do it himself, because I certainly could not. So he, I want to encourage us that our faith would be increased, that when we see him face to face, we know the mention of his name is what brought us through. The name of Jesus is what brought all of us through. It's so simple, the gospel, right? 
We don't have to be religious. We just need the name of Jesus. And sometimes we don't speak it. We see the hardness in a person's soul. We see, you know, maybe their blindness. We see that they don't seem interested. But I want to tell you, when you speak the name, when I speak it to my coworkers, they look, they don't look interested at all. Sometimes they roll their eyes, not many of them. But what I find is after a season of time, I find out that there was a presence of God deposited in them, and then they start speaking to me the word. They start speaking to me the truth. Isn't that exciting? So we need to understand that his name is more powerful than we could ever dream or imagine. We don't understand the fullness of his name. We can look at our lives and all that he's done. That helps us remember the power of his name, and we should do that. We remember what he's done and what he's going to do. But there is power in his name. We speak the name of Jesus. I love that song. I wanted so much for TJ to do it today because really it's the power of the name. The reason the strongholds are broken, it's just the name of Jesus. Very simple. You could say Yeshua. You could say Jesus. Whatever you say in the form of his name, whatever language you speak, there is going to be change and power. So I want to speak a few minutes on a few names of God before I bring to the one he gave me today. Psalm 910 says, In those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, Adonai, have not abandoned those who seek you. So the more we know his name, the more we trust in him. It's not just that's his name and you call him in the streets. It's what that name means, the attributes of that name, the character of the name that he has given himself. He's our king and our father. He is, he is our Lord. In Exodus 33, Moses cried out, show me your face. He had been in his glory. He had been changed in the presence of a burning bush, and he asks for more. But the Lord gives him something better. He has his glory, that is true, but he gives him something even better. He tells him that he cannot see his face, but to, he's gonna, he has an appointment with him, and he says, I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to pass by you. But he shields him from seeing the fullness of his presence. Moses wanted to see his face because he had been in the anointing and had been in the Shekinah glory. And so... He asks, as he asks him, the Lord gives him something better. He declares who he is and who he will always be. Jehovah knew that knowing him would keep us to the end. Knowing his faithfulness will bring strength to us in weak times. Just as he declared his name to Moses, he declares his name to us today and every day. If we would remind ourselves of what that name means. Exodus 34. Adonai passed before him and he proclaimed. He proclaimed himself. Adonai is God, merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in grace, rich in truth, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoings and violation of his law and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting the punishment of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren, we know, to a thousand generations. So knowing him brings his glory. Psalm 36, 9 says, For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. That's why we need to know him. We live in dark times, and even if it wasn't dark times, people are bound up. They're bound up. We, if we're not seeing the fullness of Christ, if we're going through depression and, and heartache and we can't see beyond our problems, then we're a little blinded, aren't we? So we need to know the name of our God because in his light we see light. He's the source of all life, the fountain from which all life flows. In his light, knowing he is our source, we then can see light. Psalm 139.12 says, even darkness is not dark to you. Isn't that amazing? There's no darkness. There's not even a shadow. We know that. But the, the reality of what that means is so powerful to us. So as he shows and declares himself, it says that Moses fell to the ground and worshipped him. 
and us too, as we see who he is and what he's done in our life, we can't help but to praise him. We can't help to say, when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord, right? I was the first one to run there. We want to come. We want to worship him and thank him. He proclaimed his name, who he is, his character. He could have prophesied to Moses at that time, showed him all the things that he was going to do. We all love prophecies, right? But he knew that that wasn't going to hold him. He needed to know him, and we need to know him because knowing God is what is going to bring the victory. Knowing his, this, knowing and knowing is in the name. Merciful, compassionate, rich in grace, and rich in mercy. That's our Lord, our Father. That's the kingdom of God that's upon us. We see Elohim in the book of Genesis. It says about Elohim that El means the strong one. He means to bind oneself by a covenant. So God himself, you could say it like this, the strong one who keeps his promises, who binds himself and all that he is to what he says. Isn't that powerful? We just say, say Elohim, it's a Hebrew word. But what God is saying, no, that's not just a name. This is what I'm declaring that I am. I am the strong one. I keep my promises and I bind them to myself that whatever I have promised, it is going to be done. It can't be stopped. He's going to do it. That's who Elohim is. If it says it in his word, he is saying, I am bound to it forever, and that's our Lord. El Elyon is another one, the most high God. He is the all-knowing one. He knows the past and he knows the future, and this is what some people need to know in this, in this house today. He is in total control. He is in total control. That will wipe away anxiety. That will wipe away depression. That will wipe away impatience. He is in total control. He is El Elyon. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. God makes a promise, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. Don't you love that? Adam prayed that while he was praying, more or less. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He doesn't just heal you physically. He heals everything about us, right? Everything. We become, we become stronger and stronger. Our mind changes. Our, our actions change. We become transformed. Everything within us, he wants to restore. But physically, emotionally, and spiritually, but in Exodus 15, 26, he says, I'm not only the one who can heal you, but I'm the God who can keep you from getting sick. Isn't that awesome? I know all through, you know, the COVID thing, I would just take communion every single night and my vitamin D. I did all those things. And now if I got COVID, I got COVID. I was trusting God. I'm not being weird for anybody who got COVID. I still could. I understand that. But my hope and my trust, I said, Lord, I'm just going to come to you because you can keep me from getting sick and not just COVID with anything. You can just keep me from getting sick because he is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Sabaoth. This is my favorite. The Lord of the heavenly hosts. In the book of Joshua uh, 5, uh, 13 onward, he says to Joshua, I am the commander and chief of all the heavenly hosts. Isn't that awesome? Our God is the commander of chief and chief of all military forces that are greater than the military forces that could come against you. All the angelic angels that would come against are going to come against those who are opposed to you, right? Whatever you're battling, there is, there is power there. He's got, we have access to the God who commands the angels. Our king is ready for action. 
So it says, now it came to pass, it came about when Joshua was at, by Jericho, that he raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hands. I just love that. I had to circle it and underline it. I had to go back and read it over and over again. He didn't just see Jesus Christ in the person standing there. He saw him with his son, uh, son, his sword in his hand, ready for action. You know, it's not like the Lord has to stir himself and wake himself and say, oh, I have to go rescue Dan, right? He's already there. His eye is on you. He's aware. He's fully aware. So he sees him like that as they're going into Jericho. And I thought to myself, has anyone here ever, ever been rescued by his angel armies? And I think sometimes we are. We just aren't aware. And I just thought of a few things. Tamisha's not here today, but I know that her family last year or two years ago were saved and rescued two or three cars of her family, people going down south on the Jersey Turnpike. Only God can do that. It was a horrific accident, and not one of them came out damaged in any way. And not only that, everything that flew out the windows of the property, they regained, right? That's the angel armies. I know when Dawn was crossing the street when she was a little girl, that was the angel armies. I know once Jimmy and his friend Jerry were driving in a, in a Jeep, and I know that they ended up crashing it. And I know that that was the angel armies. I know that in America, I know the nation, first of all, Israel, in the Six-Day War, they were rescued by angel armies. So it doesn't matter if it's an individual or if it's a nation. The Lord doesn't say, oh, it's just one person. I can't come today. I need to just rescue nations. He rescues his own. America, against a larger and more powerful army, they, were, um, they saw Jehovah Sabaoth. This is our king. This is our king. And Joshua went to him, and he said to him, are you for us or for our enemies? He said, no. <laughs> I love this. I love what he says. He goes, no, rather I have come now as captain of the army of the Lord. I'm not going to get mixed up in are you, am I for you or I'm against you. I'm here because there's a mission. There's a, a declaration of what the Father has said he's going to do with my people, and I am here as the captain of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the ground and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's army said to him, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy. And isn't it true, when you've been rescued by God, all you can do is take off the soles, take off your shoes, and just say, Lord, you are holy. You just bow down before him, and you thank him, and then you grow even larger those days in the things of God. And our eyes are actually opened then to who he is. Joshua didn't realize who he was. He saw him, didn't know who he was. He was just looking in a military sense in the natural. But the Lord Jesus himself came as the captain of the host. So Jesus appears to Joshua and says, I'm the commander of the heavenly host. Remember, there are a billion of angels that stand continually all around the throne of God, waiting to be sent out to fight and battle on your behalf. They are powerful, completely loyal, and they do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. Isn't that awesome? They do exactly what he says. And the Bible says that every one of those angels are ministering spirits to minister to us, those who are heirs of salvation. But it actually says those who will also, will also inherit salvation. In Hebrews 1.14, it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to provide service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. I love it, because as you're praying for your, your uh, family that isn't saved yet, as you're praying for coworkers, friends, and family, you are asking the Lord that his angels would go forth and do 
what they do. We'll find out what they did and how they did it when we get there. And we know, of course, Elijah asked that their eyes, his servant's eyes would be open in 2 Kings, and the captain of the host, Jesus, was there. So Jesus is, is our Jehovah Sabaoth, if I'm saying that right, commanding his angels to help and to minister and to rescue us. This Jesus lives within us. This is what I want to really strike home through the rest of this, is that this Jesus lives within us. The name of Jesus is in every name. He and the Father are one, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one. We'll never understand it. People will say to me, can you explain the Trinity? And I said, no, and I'm not even going to try. And you shouldn't either. I've heard all the ones, the steam, the water. You know, we, we hear all those things, how they're one. And it almost sounds like they're three, they have three separate functions. But the Bible says he's one God. He's one God. There's only one God. So every name that we read, and there's so many more, really, Jesus is the name above all names. Jesus Christ inhabits all that character. You see what I'm saying? There's only one God. Each of these names describes to us the character of God, and every attribute is in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are multiple names, but he still is one Lord, one God. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one Lord. When we learn, what we learn in knowing the names of God are for us to understand him. Things he wants us to know about him so that our trust will grow because we know him. Our life will become stronger. Then we will remain in peace. Where the Lord is, there is peace. Where Jesus is, there is peace and there is faith. Jesus himself said, here, Israel, the Lord is one. He's one God. He is one Lord. There is power in the names of God. And so right now I want to share what he had spoke to me. The name I want to talk about a little bit today for a few minutes is Jehovah Shammah. And there's not much about Jehovah Shammah that you can go through, but the essence of him is all through the book. It's all through the Bible. And it literally means the Lord is there or the Lord is present. He's there. He's there with you. He's present. He hasn't left you. He's not going to forsake you. So intimacy with him and his character Ezekiel 10 is where we find it. I'm not going to go through all the history of it. It was too long, but just one little paragraph. While in exile, the prophet Ezekiel is writing to the unrepented in Jerusalem. He has a, a given, he's been given a vision of the departure of the glory of God. How sad is that? The glory of the Lord has departed from the temple. The judgments that would fall upon Jerusalem and Judah for the idolatries and the abominations. Like Jeremiah, he knows the people will not repent, and so they are exiled for 70 years with judgments upon Jerusalem and Judah. God uses the Babylonians as his instrument of judgment where the people will dwell without his presence. So when Ezekiel reigned in his prophecies all through that book, he has three experiences. He sees he has, he's commissioned by the Lord in captivity. He sees the departure of the Lord from the temple. But the Lord doesn't leave him there. He takes him further and shows him because God's never done with us. The glory of the Lord did leave the temple. And sometimes we feel like he's left us. Sometimes we've left him. But there's always hope for us. He, there is always hope. Jesus Christ is always hoping. He's always pulling us. He's always dragging us. As I was reading this, I was thinking about, you know, you have a, um, you have a child and you're in the store and they just don't want to come with you. Or it's time to leave. They won't listen to a young child. So then what does a parent do? Fine, I'm leaving. 
I'm just going to leave. And you're looking back to see if they're following. You're looking back to see if they're following. And so as you're leaving, you're hoping that they're coming with you. So I, find, I know that's simplistic, but to me, I feel that that's what the Father do, does and what he does do for us and in the past and in the future. He's always looking, are they going to return? Always looking, come on, are you going to come with me? And in anticipation of us turning, um, he sees that God was in the temple. And that's where we see the scripture. God takes Ezekiel and he shows him a vision of a holy place in the future, a holy city. And in that city was a holy temple. He gives him a great detail of this place. You can go and read it. It's really quite beautiful, the last couple chapters. The gates, the chambers, the, the altars, the sacrifices, and everything. And then he ends with this scripture in Ezekiel 48, 35. The city shall be six miles around, and the name of the city from that day forward will be the Lord is there. Isn't that so beautiful? They un he understood it because the glory of the Lord had left the temple. He was taken from the temple, but the Lord is saying to Ezekiel, don't worry. I'm not done with my people. I'm not done with my people. I am Jehovah Shammah, and I am there. It's a place where he will inhabit. Psalm 46, 4 through 5 says there's a river, the streams that make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle, the most high God is in the midst of her. And when I read these scriptures in the Old Testament, understand the Lord our God is in the midst of us. That's what he wants us to know today. The river and the glory of God is in the midst of us. She shall not be moved. God shall help her when morning dawns. See, we shall not be moved. You might go through some things, but the Lord is in the midst of us, and we will not be forsaken by our God. So it's a message of hope, but people who were without his presence would be restored, and God's promising to restore between his people and himself. God desires us to always dwell with, his desire has always been to dwell with us. And you can read that in, in Exodus 13, where he comes in the pillar of fire. And so in Jehovah, Jehovah Shammah, in, uh, again, the distance around the city will be six miles from, from that day. The city will be called the Lord is there. But I like, there's another translation for there, and it says the Lord is present. I like that. He's not just there, he's present. He's always with us. You can always seek him. He's always within you. The Lord's city will be called, I am present, with the king in the city. So in Ezekiel, he has another uh, prophecy, uh, verse, uh, chapter 37, verse 26. He says, I'll make a covenant of peace with them. It'll be an everlasting covenant. It's that, it's that mother, it's that father, never giving up on their children. He says, I'll place them and I'll multiply them and set them in, set my sanctuary in the midst of them. See, that's a promise that we have today with the Holy Spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we have the tabernacle within us. He dwells in the midst of us. His dwelling place will be among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel, and when my tabernacle is in their midst forever. So Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, present with his people. Ezekiel told us there's a city where Christ dwells. The Redeemer is there. The city is where we will be. In that city in the future, we will be. Because in that prophecy and what he saw, he was seeing a temple in the future. He was seeing it in the millennial reign. And so, but at the same time, we will be there. It's a heavenly vision. This is where we're going to dwell. But there's still more for us. He's the strong one who keeps his promises. He keeps his promise. He's faithful to Israel, and he's also faithful to us, the church. Jesus said to his disciples in the upper room, do not let your heart be troubled. I believe that you read that already, Tom. 
Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go there for you, guess what? I am coming again. I am coming back for you. He might come to take the spirit out of your breath and bring you to heaven, and maybe we'll all get to go together. But one thing, mark my words, he is coming back for us. He is not leaving us in this place. He is coming back for us. He's been preparing for generations and generations and generations. And that's why he could say to a disciple who were weeping and crying about what was going to happen, don't fear. I'm coming back. Trust me. Trust me, I am coming back. I'm coming again, and I'll take you to myself. So there I am, where I am, you will also be. That, where I am, where I live, Jehovah Shammah, there you may be also. See, that's the heart of our God. He wants us with us. He wants him with us. He wants us with him. He wants us together all the time. Jehovah Shammah is a physical prophecy. This is what we need to understand when you read it. Some people, they're robbed of the truth and the promise of this because as I was studying this, so many people said it's a future prophecy. It doesn't, it doesn't pertain to the church. It's only for the future. It's what's going to happen thousands of years from now. And if you read it like that, it would be so dry. There'd be no hope in it, right? We have hope for the Israelis who are going to get saved in the time of, of the millennial reign. But... I think it's more than that. It's a physical prophecy about Israel, and secondly, it's also a prophecy about heaven, where we will dwell forever. But the name, this name, is also a spiritual promise. It's a spiritual promise for us in this house, and this is where the Lord really dwelt, had me focus on. It's a spiritual prophecy about the coming of the Holy Spirit to live inside of the believer. So more than 600 years prior to Christ even coming, Ezekiel coming, Ezekiel prophesies about this future, wonderful, beautiful place where the Lord himself would dwell. And then he also prophesied for us that we too would inhabit that because of the Holy Spirit that Christ would deposit in us. In Revelations 21, 2 through 3, John also saw a city. And I want to read it really quickly because it takes the old and the new together. He says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Imagine hearing that. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. That is what God is doing. We should be excited because if you understand his desire, why would we worry about anything? Why would we be distracted by the things of the world when he himself is saying, guys, I just want to be with you. I just want to sup with you. I, I want to give you my treasures. I want to tell you my secrets. I, I want to show you things to come. I just want you to sit with me a little while longer. Okay. So, what does the Lord want us to know about the name Jehovah Shammah? The number one thing is the Lord is ever-present with them. The Lord is with them in the midst. He's in the midst of them. It's a spiritual prophecy about the coming of the Holy Spirit to live inside each one of us, each believer who has given their heart to Jesus Christ, each one who has said yes to Jesus Christ. You might not even know. You might have given your heart to the Lord. You don't even know the power source that lives inside of you. He lives within us. All We all have received salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ comes to us on the inside and he becomes our strength. He becomes our source. He becomes Jehovah Shammah. 
And Ezekiel prophesied that, as I said, where he says, I will take the heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I love that scripture in Ezekiel. He says, I will, I'm going to take the heart of stone from them in that day and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. How can he give us a heart of flesh without the flesh becoming word? His word the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? That's the promise Ezekiel prophesied for us. That's why it's greater than the millennial reign. The truth is, the problem is, we if we just stop there, we don't understand the promise, the prophecy that was fulfilled, that he literally took the stones out of our heart. We're not perfect, but he took the stones out of our heart, and he gave us a heart of flesh. Jehovah Shammah, God living within us, the God who is present, and he chose that name for himself. God desires to be with his people, not because he's lonely and not because he needs us, but because God so loved the world. We think he always just lonely, wants to hang out with us, right? Sometimes I'm like, Levi, please come over, please come over, right? <laughs> and he has other things to do, and I understand that. But God's not like that. He's not saying because I'm lonely. He's not saying, Gene, come and meet with me, come and sit with me, come and pray with me a while. It's not because he's lonely. He just really likes me. He really likes you. He really loves us, and he wants to be with us. It's pretty amazing. It's mind-boggling. I can't even explain it. I don't know why he loves us so much, but I know his word says it, and it's true. And we should be, find strength in that. He never wanted religion for his people, but a vibrant relationship. He wants to dwell with us and in us, protecting us from danger, bringing peace when sudden fear erupts our life. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. God pursues his people, and the progression has been the fire, the cloud, the tabernacle, the temple. He clothed himself in humanity. He dwells among us, and now he's in us. That's his progression, and he has found his place. Matthew 12.6 says, But I say to you, I love this. I was going to say it twice. I put times 10, times 12, but I won't say it that many times. 12.6. Jesus says to them, I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. Isn't that awesome? All of us sitting in these seats today, something greater than the temple is here. Something greater because we are children of God and he is living and dwelling in this temple in all of us today. Unbelievable. Something greater than the temple is here. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't understand it because religion was blinding them. He says, but if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. You would not be pushing them away from me. You yourself would be coming to me, right? So we need him to open our eyes to that. Something greater, the creator, the source of all life, the living water, the bread of life, the light of the world, the door that we enter through. Religious eyes cannot see the giver of life. So don't be discouraged when they can't. Just keep speaking the name of Jesus until their eyes are open, and they do. He is life. He is the life source. He dwells among us and within us forever. His presence is in us forever, and he will not leave us. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? His spirit dwells in us. John four 23, I'm almost done. The hour is coming and now is, and now is here, when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Religion can't handle that. We need to just yield to God. We need to come to him simply. We need to come to him empty. We need to come to him without the striving and, and, and all the, the things that we think are going to please him and just come as, remember that old song, Billy Graham revivals, just come as you are without one plea, the lamb of God who died for me. 
That's what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody to say, I do believe that. I do want to just come to you. You know, he can sing a song like that to you when you're saved. You just, you know, you could be home watching TV, and all of a sudden you, you just hear the, the voice or the sound, not the actual voice, but you feel a pulling. Just come as you are, not one plea. The Lamb of God who died for me. And then you go and you just sit with him for a little while, right? You sit with him for a little while, and, and he fills your soul, and he restores you. John 14 says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Us, we in this house, we know him. We know him, for he lives with you, he says to his disciples, and he will be in you. That's the greater baptism. He walked with them. He was with them. The Spirit of God was there. But there was a greater baptism, and he says, and you are going to be filled. My temple living in you. The Holy Spirit among them, now within them at Pentecost. Psalm 139.7 says, where shall I go from your spirit, and where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, make my bed and shield, you are there. Even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That is Jehovah Shammah. That is our God present in every situation you're going through, leading you out of the darkness, wherever you find yourself. His promise is forever. Psalm 73, 28 says, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. We should memorize that scripture. As for me, the nearness of God is my good. When you're going through a hard time, as for me, the nearness of God is my good. And But what happens sometimes, we go, well, I don't feel your nearness. Feelings mean nothing. We say it all the time. They're good. We like to have that feeling, but you know what? It really doesn't matter in God's eyes. He's not there because you feel him. He's there because you believe him. He's there because he made a covenant promise. Even if you don't believe him, he's still there, right? But how much more that we can say with the psalmist, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And that's a key for victory. Keep telling of his works. Even if people get annoyed with you, keep telling of his works. Even if it's the same story. Paul's story was the same all the time. I wonder if they got tired with Paul. But we have to tell the story where God delivered us and changed us. He's present in the good times and the bad. His presence fills the temple, this clay temple. Imagine this clay temple he fills. How can we not praise him and lift up his name over others? Speak the name of Jesus every day. That song is such a powerful song for today because that's our prayer. That's our prayer life, speaking the name of Jesus over the lost, over the depressed, over the anxiety, right? Speaking his name, declaring victory over them. It's the name of Jesus. You might be in your, in your prayer room and you're praying and you're speaking the name of Jesus and you're thinking, is this mean? Is this doing anything? Yes, you can't see. It's actually doing something. There is power in his name. There is healing in his name. Right at that moment that you're praying, the angels, Jehovah Sabaoth is sending them to the place that you're praying, and they're ministering to people who are lost, people who are destitute. We can never stop, never stop. I was at Dawn's the other day with the kids on Friday, and I go, do I hear music? And uh, Dawn, of course, she was singing, not singing, <laughs> not her singing. <laughs> I'd like to hear Dawn sing, wouldn't you? <laughs> she was actually, I could hear the sound, speak the name of Jesus over and over again. So Levi or Aaron said, uh, just mom, you know, playing that song or whatever. She's, you know, got the song on. But I could identify the song. And I thought it was so powerful because as she's hearing that song, she's not just listening to a song. I know what she's doing. She's declaring his name. She's declaring his name over the church, over her family, over the, the depressed or the anxiety ones and people who are destitute. We have to be those people. And we don't have to be out front doing it for show. She was in her room on the other side of the house 
right? But something, something was happening because there is power and healing in his name, right? So all the names and attributes of Jehovah are shared with Jesus Christ. Jehovah Jireh, the provider, Rapha, the healer, the deliverer, the victorious warrior in our midst. He is the captain of the host of the angel armies, Elohim, El Shaddai, and many more. But for this morning, he wanted me just to bring to us that the Lord is present. Jehovah Shammah. Know today that Jehovah Shammah is present in your life. In the times that we live, we need to know he is present in our life. He wants his children at peace in every storm. He controls the city. He's the king above all governmental rule, Jehovah Shammah. We have nothing to fear. His glory fills our temples, and he wants us to possess his peace. Peace is a very important attribute that we have, a very important fruit. We don't want to lose it. The peace of God, the peace of God will open our eyes to who God is. The knowledge that he is there should give us great peace, peace that delivers us from every anxious thought. And it's hard to grab hold of that when you're alone and anxious, but he does show up. Um, every trying time, every heartache, he is there, peace. When his presence in us is in us, there is peace. He says again, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Do not let it, don't let it, it's going to try to. Don't let the enemy lie. Do not, he says, it's really a command. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not walk in fear, for I will never leave you. So amazing. So, when anxiety hits, remember he is there with you. When you're discouraged and depressed, speak Jehovah Shammah. When the enemy tries to shut you up, declare his glory fills your temple. When you are in prayer, declare that Jesus is there. He's near to help the weak, to show his glory to the unbeliever, to draw near to us and set us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There should be liberty in the house of God. We could be going through many things, but there still should be liberty in the house of God. We should encourage each other, right? We should speak life. We're saying, no, the spirit of God is with us. He's among us. We are a people who are free. We need to speak those things, and, the, and it pleases the Lord. Because of trials and circumstances, we sometimes forget that he's with us. He's reminding us today that he is present. Let peace flood your soul with his promise. Jehovah Shammah, the Almighty, says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. This is not a prayer. It's a promise. There's a difference, right? We pray, our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name. Let your kingdom come upon me, right? It's a prayer. He says, pray like this, and we pray it. But there's other scriptures that are not really prayers. We're not saying, Lord, please be with me. Please don't forsake me. You don't, we don't need to do that. The flesh wants to do that when we're weary and we're tired. But he's saying, this is not a prayer. This is a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you, ever. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. It's such a powerful song. His name is power. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus. The Lord is there in everything we encounter. He is with us. His name proclaims truth, and we hold on to that truth. The Lord is present. When the Lord is present, and the darkness flees. The enemy loses his grip. The chains fall off the captives, and all who are oppressed are set free. 
That is why he says, I am present, I am with you. So our faith will rise to where he is and the kingdom of darkness starts to fall as we believe it and start to proclaim it, start to proclaim the name. Our very presence, our very present help in time of need. Why fear, he says, Jehovah Shammah has taken residence within us and given us the promise that he is there. As a child of God, we can be confident in all areas of our lives. Every relationship, every fear, all forms of anxiety, all depression and worry, not just some, all of it. Financial crisis in our home or in the nation, unrest in the streets, unfamiliar surroundings, uprooted from your home, sickness, health, wayward children, disease and discouragement. None of these things can stand in the presence of our king. None of them. I'm not saying they won't happen. They will happen. But guess what? He is with you while you're going through it. He will keep you in the storm. Let Jehovah Shammah, his peace and his truth of his power, fill your mind with thoughts of victory. Peace like a river will flow. You will see provision when drought and famine come. You'll have peace in the trial, hopeful endurance in the waiting, and he will always be with us. He is there when the earth starts to quake, and his promises and his covenant peace, he promises that we will not be shaking. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength. I'm only going to read a couple more scriptures. God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. So a very present helpful means Jehovah Shammah. He's right there. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the sea. Although its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. That's Christ living in us during these things that will happen. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Does that mean the storm isn't raging? No. But he's in the midst of us, and we can declare, I will not be moved. Not because I'm strong, but because he's strong. I'm weaker than everybody in this room. But I know that there comes a time where I go, God, you are strong. You take my weakness, and you show, you show yourself to be strong out of my weakness. Paul said, I'd rather be weak that he could show himself strong. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. That tells me that in the process of time, he doesn't say, I'm going to help you right away. He will help her when morning comes. When the light comes up on the new day, you are going to see that Jehovah Shammah has been with you. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He, utter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. El Shaddai, the Lord of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We have no excuse. We are so blessed as a people, so blessed as a people, covered in his blood. Isaiah 43 says, But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. You are mine. Think about that. The Lord coming into a situation, and he just grabs you and says, you are mine, and walks away and brings freedom to you. Isn't that amazing? He walks into the prison cells, and he sees who are his, and he just grabs them, and he says, you're coming out because you are mine. I've heard the cries of your heart. You are mine, and I'm not going to leave you here. And then he says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. I'm Jehovah Shammah. And though the rivers and through the rivers... They will not overwhelm you. So we know we're going to go through waters. We know we're going to go through fire as we almost did in my kitchen today. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame will not consume you. It did not consume me. It did not consume my husband. The flame will not consume us. The trial will not consume us because Jehovah Shammah is with us. 
Jehovah Shammah declaring to us, we will go through, we will not drown, we will not burn, we will not be consumed by any circumstance. I will be with you even to the end of the age, even till I take you home, I am with you. One more first, guys. Bear with me. Your creator loves you and wants us to go through with his presence and peace. He has given to us his spirit to abide with us forever. John 14 again says, if you love me, and 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and he will be with you. He will be in you. You know him, open the eyes of your heart. We need to open the eyes of our heart. That's a prayer. And he, we will see that he is there. The Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit, spend time with him, talk with him, listen for his direction and his correction. He leads us to truth. He lifts up Jesus and touches the hearts of men. We need his counsel. We need his leading. We need his strength. We need his power. We will all live in that city one day. We will all see the city that Ezekiel saw, and we will all see the city that John saw in the book of Revelations. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, this people and God himself among them. We will all be there one day. But now for our day, as we know, we have the living God living within us in this tabernacle. Jehovah Shammah is in the midst of us. One day we will be in that city, and I got to tell you, I can't wait. One day we will all be there, and we're going to rejoice together. It's a real place. Somebody said, I heard a pastor preaching, and somebody said to him, Pastor, do you think, do you think heaven is real? And he said, well, do you think Orlando is real? Do you think New York City is real? Of course it's real, right? We need to understand this is a real, this is our reality. We are going there. So for now, we know that we'll be there one day, and that's our hope. We have that hope. We should be excited about it. But the same hope is his presence, the same promise. I am with you. You are mine. My spirit is abiding in your midst, and I will never leave you. In Romans 15, 13, I'll end with this. May the God of hope fill you all in this house today with joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will abound in love and believe the truth that Jehovah Shammah is with his people today and he'll not leave us and he's going to increase his presence upon us as we keep coming to him and declaring him and seeking him. We're not going to stop till the day he takes us home and one day we will hear as Adam prayed, well done, good and faithful servant.